This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to this post-holiday edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nick Klaus, we are all in the same room and We've all got kids under five, so I think we're glad to get out of the house for uh, a quick taping of the Husker Online show. As holidays are fun, but they can also take a lot out of you guys. Did you have fun over the over the break, Robin? It was good. I didn't have to travel, so that was good. Everybody came to us, uh, and it was good. And nice, uh, nice old Christmas. And you know, daughter's two years old, so it was kind of like the first time she actually knew what was going on. Uh, got all jacked up about Santa, so it was fun. Yeah, it was uh, traveling is is the least favorite thing of of everybody's holidays, I think, especially, um, you know, when the kids are stuck in the car for six, seven hours at a time. Um, So happy to be home, but it was good to see family at the same time. Well, let's get right down to it, guys, as as we break down this week's show. Not a lot going on as nothing as far as sporting events for Nebraska happened. It's the dead period in recruiting, but still some. Things to get to on the roster end of it. Uh, Nebraska, Nate, waiting on a letter from Dedrick Mills. Uh, Desmond Bland, you know, undetermined on if or when he'll sign. They did get a letter, though, back from graduate transfer Darian Daniels that pushed their number up to 24. Uh, Dedrick Mills and Desmond Bland would put them at 25 and 26 right now. Um, anything jump out to you, just how some of that stuff or how, how this stuff has played out here the last week or so? Well, yeah, I'm a little surprised we haven't heard anything about Diedrich Mills, to be honest with you. I, I think that, um, you know, what it was sounding like it was that he was really, really, really close to, to graduating in December, um, and they just needed to, to uh, kind of uh, double-check a few things before they got that letter of intent back in, but that has not happened. And, you know, he's, he's just not your typical junior college kid because he obviously he qualified out of high school to get into Georgia Tech. Um, you know, which is, uh, you know, not an easy school to get into, I don't believe. And so, um, you know, the fact that, that he's having these issues getting his associate's degree uh, after having been at Garden City now for, for two seasons, um, you know, three years really out of, out of high school is a little surprising. But uh, like you said, there's still a chance that this could happen. You know, that window could go all the way up until shortly. He's a full qualifier, right, out of high school, yeah. obviously. He just yeah, was so, dismissed at Georgia Tech. Yeah, so he yeah he left Georgia Tech after his freshman year, uh, right before his sophomore year was going to start. And then, um, you know, he broke his collarbone in the first game of, of uh, his career at, at Garden City. And redshirted. So he redshirted, um, you know, that year. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's got to gr- get his associate's degree, though, before he can become, uh, you know, before he could transfer to another four-year school. So still kind of waiting on that. Um, you know, when Scott Frost mentioned that they were hoping to get a couple more letters of, of intent uh, at the signing day press conference, I, I believe he was talking about Darian Daniels and Diedrich Mills. And uh, obviously Daniels has his in. Um, he'll be here to start winter conditioning. And uh, I think they're kind of keeping their fingers crossed that, that Diedrich, uh, you know, that things get cleared up there and that he's on campus uh once once the once the spring semester starts yeah daniels is big just giving this defensive line robin some more depth um now there's five seniors on the d-line in this class uh but he's a proven body um a guy that's played a lot of games started a lot of games high character guy he's got a brother on the team 
um, you know, for a one for one guy, this is this is this is going to be a nice pickup to have here for the spring. Well, and especially, you know, he's got some ties here um, with Damian. And so, I mean, it's not like he's going to come in just this complete wild card. I think he's going to understand the situation. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, that's a position where, you know, they could use some some veteran presence there. I mean, obviously they have a lot of seniors coming back, but um, not a whole lot of depth as far as returning experience goes. So having a guy that um, has played at a high level for several years, um, you know, has that, you know, that continuity there already built in uh, within his own position group, I think will make him a pretty smooth transition. And, you know, whether he starts or not, we'll see. I know a lot of people had high hopes for Vaha Vanuku last year, and that I don't even think he ever saw the field. I but. think he's different though, because Vanuku was already medically scholarshiped; like his career was done. Yeah. He, reti- he, he retired. He took a much different path. That's he's for sure. away from football for two years. Yeah, I mean so, Vanuku's about my age. He was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's an older. He was. He's maybe one of the older guys they've had in the program. Yeah. Um, so th- I don't know if you can compare the. This is a pinky injury mm-hmm. with Darian Daniels, mm-hmm. right? I mean, nothing. I mean, it was a major injury, but not in the, not a career ender type. Yeah, of exactly. Game. So I mean, you know, you lose a guy like Miss Mick Stoltenberg, you need Need, you know some veteran leadership and I think that if nothing else that's what Darian's going to provide well and I think it could also potentially you know give give uh, Nebraska a little bit more flexibility up front there maybe allow them to move Carlos around a little bit more um, and, and maybe get him on an edge you know use his athleticism out there on the edge a little bit I don't know but uh, but yeah I think it's completely different than Vaha um, you know and, and I mean he's got a he's got a much much better track record I think um, you know and, and has produced a lot more than Vaha did in his career you know another thing guys when I was breaking down the numbers of the scholarship distribution chart today right now when you just look at the number of players returning on scholarship when you add the new sign newly signed players 41.5 percent of the returning roster is a freshman or a redshirt freshman on scholarship think about that 60 percent over 60 percent is a freshman or sophomore um i don't know if i've seen a younger team um especially when you just break down the pure freshman number of 41 um, and, and a half, 41 and a half percent. I mean, it's remarkable how young this team is uh, going into 2019 and how many key pieces are going to be around for a long time. Well, I think that's kind of the whole plan of what Frost and his staff want to do when they came in here. Obviously, they uh, had a lot of turnover um, with, you know, getting some of the um, bad seeds out of here early, uh, right out of the get go. And, uh, you know, they were able to replace some of those spots with temporary bandages. But I think long term, they wanted to revamp this roster and get their guys in place to truly establish that foundation and culture that they want to build. And that's the way you have to do it. Uh, and it's going to, you know, but they're going to be some learning curve there with a lot of young players, but um, they're young, but they're extremely talented. I mean, I think they've increased the overall level of talent across the board at almost every position. Uh, so I think that, yeah, they're going to have, you know, some of that young guy learning curve, but I think if, in time, uh, you're going to see a pretty massive change in just the level of talent they have uh, across the board. Yeah, they're definitely doing it the right way. And I know I, I keep going back to when Scott Frost was first hired. He kept saying, this is not going to happen overnight. There's no quick fixes and this and that. But but really, I, I think that is going to happen a little quicker than, than maybe they had hoped. Um, because of Martinez. Yeah, because you've got s- such key pieces and, you know, a lot of a lot of young talent, but at key pieces, especially with your guy uh, like Adrian Martinez. When you've got that quarterback in place and you've got that guy in place for for a long time in the future, I think that helps everything come along a lot faster. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we we'll have a full show here on tap for you. We're going to come back. We're going to talk uh, Big Ten bowl games as. A lot Nebraska, not one of them, but a lot of teams in the conference uh, will be involved in bowl games this week. 
Uh, we'll give some thoughts on that, even kick around the discussion around about a possible 18 playoff sooner rather than later. Uh, then we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. Mike Wheeler is here in studio and, and joining us here on his Christmas break. Uh, and, and Mike will uh, get us up to speed uh, on the mailbag. The Nebraska basketball will play Saturday. Um, it's a Division II game against Southwest Minnesota State. Robin Washett will tell us why they're playing a D2 um, and, and give us his thoughts on kind of where this team is at at 10-2. and two. And then Nate Klaus uh, will get us up to speed at the end here as we'll look at the recruiting numbers for Nebraska. Who have they been targeting here, um, getting ready for uh, recruiting to pick back up in January? Well, that's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we are in the thick of bowl season. All the Power 5 teams started up playing their bowl games here on Wednesday, and it will carry through all the way past New Year's Day. And unfortunately, for the second year in a row, Nebraska not in a bowl game um, as Huskers will hopefully get back back into a bowl next year, but wanted to take this time here to, to talk some Big Ten Bulls and what this bowl season means for the conference. It's the second year in a row, row the Big Ten is not a part of the college football playoff. Uh, very disappointing in, the, in that regard, but still some you know some kind of measuring stick, stick matchups here as we'll get to those here in a second as this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, one in Lincoln. Get on into any one of those Tanner's locations to watch all of the bowl games here over the weekend as well as the NFL action here in Week 17. But I uh, wanted to get through some of these games. Uh, the first one we got, guys, uh, opens the day on Saturday. It's a triple header, not a playoff game game obviously but it will lead lead in the two playoff games Florida and Michigan that game in Atlanta at the Peach Bowl and I don't know to me guys this is kind of a dud of a matchup because these two teams have already played um, you know in a bowl game already before they played in a regular season neutral site game it's the third time Jim Harbaugh's been the coach and played Florida Um, I don't know if there's a lot of excitement especially for an 11 a.m. kick but it's one of those games, if Michigan wins it, people are going to say they were supposed to win it. If they lose it, they're going to say, oh, they weren't motivated to be in there. It's kind of a no-win for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and I don't think it really does anything for anybody, but even the respective fan bases. You know, you look at social media reaction. Uh, you know, Michigan fans on Twitter were obviously not happy. They went from being in the college football playoff to playing a repeat bowl game, which I'm sure Nebraska fans uh, can sympathize with that, you know, playing Washington, you know, twice in a row. But uh, I think it's going to be a boring game. I think Michigan In Georgia. Yeah, Michigan's about a touchdown favorite in that game. Florida's offense is terrible. Michigan should win that one easily. Uh, and, again, it's not going to do you really much of anything. And what, what's going to be interesting was happens after that game with Michigan. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, there's a lot of NFL rumors buzzing once again. Jets. Jim Harbaugh, the Jets. Uh, the Miami Dolphins said they're already out on him. But um, there's some steam picking up behind uh, the Jets as, you know, they're going to probably fire their coach. And, um, you know, there's always been speculation around Harbaugh. And, you know, if he's kind of stuck in this – um, you know, rut with Michigan, you know, maybe it'll be a little more appealing than it was in previous years. But Urban Meyer leaving the league, Nate, I mean, I think that that plays a factor with Harbaugh now. He's like, I can I can lock this thing down because Ryan Day, especially even in recruiting, I mean, he's not he's not off to a very hot start at Ohio State. No, he's not. And I mean, there's and I said it after, um, you know, Ur- Urban Meyer stepped down. There's a big difference between Urban Meyer stepping in your living room and, and Ryan Day stepping in there. And 
But at the same time, Harbaugh really doesn't have a track record of sticking around anywhere longer than four years, and this is the end of his fourth year. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Uh, you know, he just kind of got got embarrassed. Um, you know, he had, he had a really good team. He had the best defense that he was going to have, um, you know, for – I mean, I'd be surprised if you you could put something together better than than what he just had. He's got a lot of guys jumping ship early. Ton of guys, too. Well, so, Winovich was hurt <clears throat> late. He played basically like not even close to 100 percent. And Rashawn Gary's battled injuries, so that defense has not been the same for them down no, the stretch. But those guys are, I mean, you, those guys are gone. And yeah, Devin Bush, and Devin Bush, yeah. Is gone. So good luck replacing some of those so guys. Say, those are like three of the best defensive players in the conference. Yeah, they're, yeah and they're all going to be first round type of guys. So. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he bolts, but at the same time, you could make a very good argument that this is the time for him to really strike. Um, you know, with Ohio State kind of going through their transition, and um, you know, and really, you've got Penn State. Maybe that would be the the biggest competition uh, with James Franklin, and and he's got that thing going uh, pretty well. So I don't know, but as far as the bowl game goes, yeah, I think it's a lose lose. I mean, the only thing, the only thing that could really come out of this is is if they get beat they, they make the big 10 look bad uh like it, last year they're the only big 10 team to lose a bowl yeah game. and so i mean yeah there's not a whole lot of good that can really come from this game because like you said if if they win yeah you should have won that game because florida's florida's kind of garbage our offense is terrible you got a great defense but if you lose then then it makes the conference look really poor all right let's move on now to monday there's two big 10 bowl games michigan state uh, plays Oregon. That's an intriguing game in the sense that Michigan State, you know, played so bad on offense. I mean, they look like hot garbage all throughout the end of the year. Um, they played poor at Nebraska. They almost lost to Rutgers um, the next week. Um, then you have Oregon, who's the hot team right now in the Pac-12. Justin Herbert has announced he's coming back for another year. They're the recruiting team that's recruiting better than anybody in the Pac-12. Um, so that that could be that game could go one of two ways. I mean, Michigan State could make it ugly and pull it out, or Oregon State could end up, or Oregon could end up winning. And then you got one other game: Northwestern and Utah, uh, the Pac-12 runner-up versus the Big Ten runner-up. Um, so those two games will take place on Monday. Yeah, with uh, Michigan State, Oregon, I think Vegas is predicting uh, that's going to get ugly and just kind of be kind of a sputtering type game. The over/under is only at forty-eight points, which for a college football game nowadays is really, really low. I think they got, they got Oregon as a three-point favorite, which um, is a little surprising. thought they might be a little bit more, but I guess they're kind of assuming that Michigan State's going to play their style of football that we you know, all know, you know, run the football, run the clock, and play really, really good defense and you know make it a field goal type game. So, uh, again, not – going to do much as far as ratings and you know drawing a lot of national interest but you know some definite big 10 uh, deal there and i guess the same thing with northwestern they're a seven point dog right now and that that over under is only at 46 so they're expecting an even lower scoring affair so those are two games that you know could really as far as you know the bowl perception goes for the conference could be pretty big swing games uh, you know if michigan state's able to beat you know oregon uh that's going to look good and then if northwestern obviously people aren't thinking much of them and that's a, one of your division champs uh so a win there could kind of help uh you know put the big 10 on a bit of a taller pedestal 
Yeah, you've got you've got some stereotypical Big Ten football coming up on Monday. I mean, for for people who don't typically watch the Big Ten, they're going to tune into these games and, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, it's <laughs> garbage offenses, like big, you know, just ugly, ugly games because that is definitely, especially with Michigan State, I mean, that is their MO. They, they Their offense is so so terrible that they want to just completely dirty up any game they can and, and play tough defense and kind of grind it out. Uh, yeah. I think I, I'd be surprised if if the Big Ten goes two and zero on Monday. I'd be really really shocked uh, if they were to even to to split those games. I, I They're think, underdogs in both. Yeah, so I, I mean, Northwestern's I, a seven point dog. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I I would be I'd be surprised if if either team won. I, I'm not expecting that to happen. Well, then on New Year's Day, um, final three Big Ten bowl games, you got Mississippi State and Iowa in Tampa, which has essentially become the Iowa Invitational. I mean, they, they love the Outback Bowl. Uh, that has become Iowa's bowl game that they've played in more than any team in the country. Uh, then Kentucky and Penn State and Orlando. Um, that's an interesting matchup in a lot of respects. Um, then Washington and Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, Urban Meyer's final game. Let me tell you this. I think Ohio State rolls. I think Penn State rolls. I, I, I just think they're a better coach, better team. Trace McSorley is going to be healthy. It's going to be his final game. I think he's going to lead them to a, a nice win. I think Ohio State's going to want to win for Meyer, but I do not like Iowa against Mississippi State. Um, I watched Mississippi State play K State earlier this year. Um, you know, a, a kind of an overachieving team like K State that tries to play physical, sound football. And Mississippi State boat raced them. Nick Fitzgerald was a physical, physical runner, and they had some very good players on their defense. I think Mississippi State. Uh, will handle Iowa, especially without Noah Fan and some other key guys not playing for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I'm with. You. I think Iowa's going to get exposed pretty well in that game. Uh, that just seems like a, a bad matchup for them. Uh, but I think the other two uh, are definitely in the Big Ten's favor. I agree with you. I think Ohio State is a significantly better team than Washington. They're a touchdown favorite. Probably should be more, in my opinion. Um, and then same thing with Penn State. They're a seven-point favorite over Kentucky. And um, if their offense plays anywhere near their potential, they win that game with ease. The only problem is, uh, you know, McSorley was battling injuries late in the year, and they just were out of sync. Uh, and so if, you know, a month off, maybe do them some good, and they can get back to their – previous form and if that's the case I agree I think Penn State has far more firepower for Kentucky to keep up with yeah it's not even close Kentucky's got a good defense but um I think this is a game Penn State should be able to win and and uh, to be quite honest with you I hope they do win it because I'm so tired of the SEC talk and and it's been a rough couple months for Kentucky yeah yeah well it has been (laughs) especially yeah yeah as far as Nebraska and Kentucky goes I'm sure there's a lot of Nebraska fans that are hoping uh, to see Penn State roll, uh, their feelings wouldn't be hurt to, to see. What's K- funny is if Missouri lose. if Missouri would have beat Kentucky, it was like a hail mary play or something they lost. No, to. it was like a double. It was like overtime. Didn't it go into overtime? And Missouri should have won that. Yeah, game. Missouri should have won. Missouri's probably in this game because they finished eight and four, and they would have been nine and three. Yeah. And Kentucky would have been eight and four. So you know, Missouri was that close to. to and that would have been one uh, so much better matchup. Missouri Penn State. I mean, that would have been. That would have been a really good game to watch because you got Drew Locke going against Trace McSorley. I mean, that would have been a, a they much don't get enough game. credit Missouri for what they've done in the SEC this year. I mean, they didn't get a lot of respect, yeah. but they had a good year. They did have a good year. Uh, Barry Odom has done a good job, but now they lose Drew Locke. He, I mean, he's pretty hard to replace. So well, they got the quarterback they got, from Clemson. They got Kelly the, Bryant. Yeah, they got Kelly Bryant. So we'll see uh, if they can keep it up. That uh, to be honest with you, Barry Odom probably needed Kelly Bryant to. You know, for next year to uh, you know, because if if they fall flat on their face next year, they probably 
His name's probably on the chopping block. For clarity's sake, uh, Kentucky won on an untimed down after a pass interference call at the end of regulation, scored a touchdown to win 15-14 to 14 I knew in it was... a SEC barn burner. There you go. Terrible. Briefly, Nate, <laughs> Iowa, Mississippi State. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm with you. I think that uh, I'd be surprised if Iowa wins this game. It all comes down to how well they can defend the run because Mississippi State, Nick Fitzgerald's not a not a dynamic passer by any means, but they've got a pretty strong uh, run And game. Mississippi State's coach came from Penn State, so yep. he's going to know how to go against Iowa. He's faced them many, many times, and Penn State – really had Iowa's number when he was their OC. So I think that's another X factor. But all right, when we come back, we are going to shift over to the mailbag. Mike Wheeler is in studio. He'll join us next and we'll take your questions. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back to this post-holiday edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and in studio joining us for the mailbag, Husker Online intern, Mike Wheeler. Uh, Mike, what do you got out of the gates here in the mailbag? Um, All right, so we'll start uh, uh, with a question here that you guys kind of hit on here in your first segment, but how likely is it that we see Mills end up as a Husker? I think it's fairly likely, but I also do not – I say it in pretty high confidence that he will not be here in January. I think if if he is here, it's definitely going to be by June, and I think today it still happens. Yeah, as of right now, I think it still happens. But I mean, I wouldn't if I were if I were a betting man. I, I don't know if I'd be putting a whole lot of money down on it. it. Just seems right now with both the JUCO guys, seems like there's there's more questions than there are answers uh, with with both with the status of both these guys with uh, Diedrich Mills and and Desmond Bland. So. Uh, I do think he ends up being a Husker, but I, I think that it's going to be a longer road than than what many would uh, would like. And Nate, you might attest to this, but there, I was looking at the database. There's only one other JUCO running back that's uncommitted with the Power Five offer, and it was from the former Louisville staff. So it's really not even a current yeah. offer. So the pool of JUCO running backs is very small right now, as far as Power Five level guys. So if he, for some reason, were to kind of keep his front door open, it would not be good for Nebraska. No, and that's what I, I kind of touched on this, um, you know, this earlier in the week where not having Diedrich Mills and Desmond Bland sign, uh, I mean, I think it's something where you could see some other teams kind of come in and, and roll the dice to see, you know, get them away from Nebraska. All right, so uh, we'll stick with recruiting here. Uh, in your guys' opinion, has this no bowl game streak that Nebraska has been on, uh, I guess maybe just this year, has that helped or hindered the 2019 class? I mean, I don't know if you could say it, it ever helps, but I think people are understanding of where this program's heading, where they're going with Adrian Martinez and how they played down the stretch. Um, Nebraska was better than a lot of bowl game teams at the last four or five weeks of the season, and I don't I don't think that's debatable. I mean, they beat uh, some bowl-quality teams, Minnesota and Michigan State, um, you know, in the final month of the year. Um, but, you know, going forward, this can't happen again. I mean, they've got to be back in a bowl game it really doesn't affect recruiting. I mean, there's one week. If you make a bowl game, you know, you, you get a week off anyway, um, or for recruiting purposes, you get a week off um, for the coaches to go out and recruit. Then the second week is kind of a skeleton coach's practice. And then the third week is finals week. So, you know, it, it's really not a big deal. They still wouldn't have been able to recruit like they are now. So, yeah, long term, you want a bowl game. Yeah, it never, it never helps, ever, 
never helps to to have uh, to be missing a, a bowl game. You know, the, I think the only argument you can make is is where it hurts recruiting is if you make the championship, the league championship game. Um, you know that that hurts you with your ability to get out that first week of the contact period. But uh, yeah, I think that recruits understand this year it's transition year. But uh, yeah, going forward that that can't happen again, and I don't think it will happen again. Um. All right. So uh, now looking forward to next year, uh, what position group will be impacted the most by the incoming freshman? Uh, and the redshirt freshmen, uh, which veterans should be looking over their shoulders? Ooh, good question. Um, I mean, I think naturally D-line, you got to look at Ty Robinson and what he's going to bring to the table. Um, all of the receivers are going to get an opportunity um, when you look at what's coming back. Wanda Robinson, though, to me, is somebody. Um, and then on the O-line, there's, there's just not a lot. After you go through those three guys that have started games at Nebraska returning, you know, somebody like Bryce Benhart could easily jump in that conversation. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if Bryce Benhart plays as a true freshman. I'm not necessarily saying that that he's going to you know make a mark as a starter. Uh, although I wouldn't rule it out completely, but I do think the wide receiver room is an area where since there's no proven guy there, uh, those those incoming players are going to have an opportunity to to not only play but possibly even start. And then uh, defensive line is a spot where, especially Ty Robinson, is, he's going to definitely push for playing time. I think running back room is going to get shaken up a little bit too. I mean, there's a nice influx of talent. You lose a Zigbo who had established himself as the workhorse. So that that group, I mean, obviously Maurice Washington is the perceived number one, but there's a lot of reps to go behind him and maybe even push him for, for time come the season, depending on how ready these guys are. I, Nate, I don't know if you agree or not, but I feel like Ronald Tompkins and Ramir Johnson, they committed so long ago. They're like the forgotten guys. Guy. Like no one even really knows what Nebraska's getting in these two guys. Yeah, they really don't. And and you're right. I, I think that those those two are very, very talented. They're probably not talked about enough. Um in and they I mean for what they've accomplished and playing in, in the type of competition that they have. Um and then with with uh, Ronald Tompkins, I mean that's pretty much a complete wild card coming off those injuries. Um, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how Nebraska handles him, it, how hard they really want to push him since he's coming off of back-to-back ACL tears. But, uh, but two guys that could definitely make an impact early, I think. All right, guys, so uh, we'll uh, backtrack here a little bit to the last segment you guys did. You guys went uh, pretty in-depth on the bowl matchups that are coming up. Uh, but uh, these next few Big Ten bowl matchups that are coming up, which games intrigue you the most or which way you look forward to the most? I, I think for me it's Ohio State-Washington just to kind of get one more look at Urban Meyer's team, see how they play for him in his final game. Um, that That's the one. I, don't, I mean, there's there's a lot. I mean, in, the, in, in this Mississippi State-Iowa, to see what Iowa can do, uh, right now I think Mississippi State wins that game, but those are the two for me. Yeah, I think just the Ohio State factor, you know, with the Urban Meyer situation and Ryan Day's, you know, kind of first showcase game. Uh, you know, there's a lot of intrigue there, and that's, that's a big one for, you know, the national perception of the Big Ten. Uh, so a lot of weight behind that one. Um, other than that, <laughs> not really all that intrigued by the Big Ten Bowl games because not a lot of great matchups, uh, I guess. It's if basketball was... season for you now. Exactly. I guess if there was one that, you know, I might, like, be a little more inclined to watch it'd be Michigan State Oregon just because of the contrast and you know the Justin Herbert coming back factor and 
I don't know. But other than that, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. It, it, it's hoop season. <laughs> I, I, I got to go with the Rose Bowl with, with Ohio State, the Urban Meyer storylines and, and everything going on there. Um, and then I, I, I'll be that guy. I agree with Robin with the, the Michigan State-Oregon game is probably the most intriguing one to me just because of the contrast and the styles there. And plus, these two teams, they kind of have a little bit of history. Um, you know, they, I don't know. They played a two, they played a two game series and Scott Frost at Oregon. Yeah. And, and that was pretty good. Uh, I believe Oregon went to Michigan state and beat them there. And then Michigan state went out to Oregon and they won out there. So there's a little bit of history there. Uh, now I don't know if any of the coaches, um, at Oregon are even there anymore, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably most intrigued by that. The matchups there in that game. All right. You got time for two more. What do you got here, Mike? All right, so we'll uh, look here at the walk-on class. Uh, who do you see out of that walk-on class eventually making an impact here at Nebraska? Well, it's so early. I mean, the walk-on class is not even close to, to being completed yet. I mean, they, they've got maybe almost half of it done. Um, so it's premature because I, th- I do think there's some guys out there that, that could end up coming on board. But Luke Reimer is an easy one for me. Um you know, just what he did. And then I even think Caden McCormick. I mean, I think the two Lincoln kids coming in, um, you know, Reimer being a 10-8, 10-9 guy in the 100, McCormick being a guy that was really limited with injuries and other things, but t- t- both talented guys that most years you're not getting as walk-on players. Well, Nate, I'll keep this short and you can get, expand more, but uh, I'm with you on McCormick. He's the one kid that I've actually seen quite a bit of, uh, and he's an intriguing athlete. You don't appreciate how fast he is. I remember we were at that Friday Night Lights camp, and they did that just race-off at the end of fastest it. Fastest man competition. Yeah, fastest man competition, and he was, like, killing people, like defensive backs, and so he's got good size. He's kind of a tweener. You know, he's not really big enough to play linebacker not or to play defensive end, not quite fast enough to play linebacker but I think he's going to find a spot in some regard. Could be one of those special teams guys that just makes a name for himself down the road. Yeah, he won that special or he won the fastest man competition at like 213, 214, something like yeah. that too whereas everyone else he was racing against were were much lighter. So, uh yeah, I, I think right off the right off the bat Caden McCormick and and Luke Reimer, um you know, one guy that I'm really intrigued to see how he develops is Eli Richter out of out of Kearney Catholic. I, I think I love his film. I'm a big fan of him and they've got him pegged as an offensive lineman. He's about 6'5", 215, 220 pounds right now. Uh, but they think he's going to grow into a really athletic offensive lineman. So I'm really intrigued to see that progression with him. All right, final question, Mike. What do you have? All right, so we'll end on here uh, kind of a lighter note. Uh, Christmas was earlier this week. Uh, so uh, sticking on that theme, uh, what was the best gift that you received this year and who was it for, or maybe uh, your entire life and who was it from? I'll say I was a big Lego guy as a kid. I got the Lego pirate ship, like the big one with the red sails. I mean, this thing had a cab and it was, it was top notch. I mean, th- that was one of my favorite kid gifts that I got. Now this year, best gift I got was the Apple watch Four for my wife. I mean, I'm wearing it now. Um, I had, I had the series two for three years and got the Apple watch Four. um, loving the new watch. And that was my, my gift to me this year. Mine was the original NES system with the gun and the duck hunt yes. Mario The pad, combo. the running pad? I didn't get the pad. Ooh. I wasn't cool enough. I was I was perfectly happy with my NES system, though. And then, uh, I think the year after, I got Super Tech Mobile. Not regular Tech Mobile, which was fine game, but Super Tech Mobile was the game. And so though that combo, I mean, really, there was no getting better than that. Do you have Contra? 
Uh, yeah. Contra oh, was yeah. the game. Of course. The, the cheat code at the beginning. Oh, I mean, du- double Dragon and Contra. Up, up and down, down, left, right, left, right. AB, or ABA. Yeah, whatever. I mean, there was like no. I mean, the fact that people knew these codes before like mm-hmm. stuff was out, it was pretty. That, the little cheat We'd code. We'd get like the Nintendo magazines that had all like mm-hmm. the different like paths to take on levels. Yeah, I was kind of a nerd. No, I had all that same <laughs> stuff too. I'll never forget getting the original uh, Nintendo system. Uh, you know, one toy that I. I I never did end up getting was the G.I. Joe uh, uh, carrier. The, that was the huge like carrier ship with the G.I. Joe deal. It was like $400. Yeah, it, yeah it's ridiculous. Uh, so, but I, that was one thing I always, always wanted. Um, maybe the best gift that I could, you know, off the top of my head was one I actually got this year. My wife put together kind of a guy's trip for a bunch of my high school friends and myself uh, to Chicago. I'm a big Chicago White Sox fan. Uh, one of my best buddies lives in Chicago, going to uh, going to a couple games in May. So nice. yeah, so that was that was a big surprise. And it's something we've been talking about for like three years, and my wife is finally like put the, put it the took, hiring now. Yeah, it took a woman to like put it all together to to plan and organize this because obviously we weren't we weren't getting it done. But I, yeah, I'm excited about that. I got a new dresser this year. Nice, <laughs> it's big time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, wheels, real quick, what did you get? Um, well. Uh, uh, I won't do anything from this year, but uh, I when I was younger, I used to collect those little micro football helmets, and I'd have oh, yeah. them up in a display case. And so uh, every year without fail, I'd, I could always uh, count on my mom getting me uh, some of those conferences that they have. Throughout the years, I've had to shuffle some conferences around, but uh, she still has them. She still dipl- displays them in her office, so it was, it was a pretty fun gift. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, thanks for coming in and joining us here on your break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to shift over to Nebraska basketball. The Huskers play Southwest Minnesota State Saturday at 1 o'clock. We'll get the latest from Robin. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, there's probably nine things we could take from that game and try and get better at. But at the end of the day, I thought we did a good job slowly extending the lead. You know, we had some, we had a situation. Tom was late. I sat on him a little bit. Just a mistake. Everybody makes them. Uh, so it kind of messed with our rotations a little bit. But when we get our normal rotations out there, I thought everybody performed really well. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, talking Nebraska basketball. That was Tim Miles following the Huskers' win at home over Cal State Fullerton. Uh, and they'll play again here Saturday, another one of those dreaded break games, this time against Division II Southwest Minnesota State. Um, but, you know, what was remarkable, Robin, and you heard Coach Miles even talk about this after the game, was the crowd. I mean, Nebraska drew um, nearly a full house. I mean, all, all the tickets are always sold. There's 15,000 sold, but... Uh, 13,000 showed up to a crap game on December 22nd at 1 o'clock. Um, and I think that kind of tells you where things are at with this, this fan base and this season here with the expectation level. It was unbelievable. So uh, I had family in town, and they wanted to come to the game. So I was, you know, going get on the secondary market sites and just trying to find, you know, a, a couple of tickets thinking it was going to be like six or seven bucks, you know, how sometimes they get for games like this. And there was hardly any to choose from to begin with. And what was there to choose from was all over face value. And so uh, not only were there people in the house, I mean, the the secondary market was charging as if this were like a big 10 game. And so to get that type of turnout uh, against that type of competition uh, says a lot about where this program is right now. Um, Obviously it being a Saturday, one o'clock tip helped. Um, Then being right before the holiday, you know, people were in similar situations as me, you know, wanted something to do, but, um, 
regardless of the circumstances, Nebraska fans turned out in a major way. And that's one of the biggest concerns you have about a game like that is the atmosphere and players having to create their own energy. Well, they didn't, they got all the help they could ask for. Uh, and, you know, it was against, you know, it was a game that really didn't do much for you in terms of, you know, the actual level of competition of the season. But uh, from a spectacle standpoint, it was pretty crazy. I've never seen anything like it in that situation in the schedule. Yeah, it's funny. December to me, Robin, in college basketball, it has got to be one of the worst months because in November, at least mm-hmm. you get some of the challenge games, uh, the Thanksgiving tournaments. But there, ma- there's some, yeah. You don't get like those marquee. You, like, get, you get an early December yeah. game, like a Creighton, Nebraska, mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, Nebraska. But in general, man, it's been like it's been a long month. Yeah, the last few weeks, last three or four weeks have been just nothing. Uh, I guess that's kind of the one positive to what the Big Ten has done the past couple of years by playing those two early conference games is it gives them, you know, marquee, programming. Yeah, marquee programming that uh, is going to be talked about nationally and kind of put your conference on display, uh, you know, where nobody else is playing anybody. So, I mean, there are obviously downsides uh, with logistics, but I think – in all, there's a lot of good that comes with playing those early games considering kind of what December has become. Now, Southwest Minnesota State, it's a Division II team. Why are they playing a Division II team? It's kind of a new strategy that, you know, you see a lot of other teams take on for those Christmas break games. You know, Creighton last year with Bemidji State, uh, and then this year with Coe College. I mean, they've been doing it for a few years now. Uh, and Nebraska's, you know, they've learned the hard way too many times that games like this just – get the win. It doesn't matter about the quality of competition because look at last year. They played Delaware State, and it hurt them in their RPI for winning that game by 20-some points. So there's absolutely no value in playing anybody. And so you play a D2 school, which is essentially a glorified scrimmage. Even if they lose that game, I mean, it doesn't affect their overall uh, postseason ratings. Uh, So, I mean, there's kind of a a consequence-free game. You get your team some competition. uh, There's no risk involved. Uh, And and then obviously with, you know, why they scheduled Southwest Minnesota State, Tim Miles coached there uh, from 97 to 2001. So there's that that connection there. but really, it's just one of those games to get you through the break, get you one last tune-up before things really kick up in a big way here uh, with Big Ten play in January. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we talk um, Husker basketball. Now, any injury things or things that you'll be watching to see kind of how the team comes back here from the holiday break? Yeah, the big one is with Amir Harris still. Um, obviously, he was officially diagnosed with mono, uh, mononucleosis, uh, which is a really unpredictable deal that – there's no like it's not like an ACL or anything like that where it's a, a set time frame for recovery. It's uh, how long is that virus going to you know get through his system and pass? And then on top of that, how long is it going to take him to recover physically to get back into basketball shape? And so right now he's out indefinitely. And this is uh, a guy that was one of your top options in an already limited bench um, that is going to put Nebraska in some tough spots. I think not having him available just for the minutes he was providing. Uh, so Nebraska's gotten through the past couple games you know he's missed two already um, and was already out uh, obviously uh, for Saturday and then I would say probably for the good portion of January too so they're going to have to find ways to make up for the lack of bench production that he's going to provide and you know guys like Glenn Watson are going to have to put even more weight on their shoulder Um, I guess the good news is Thomas Allen is having December was by far his best month yet as a Husker so his emergence has kind of helped ease um you know just just that that lack of minutes uh but that's probably the one big concern right now is you know that was a big question going into the year about 
the bench and how much they were going to be able to provide as you know the grind of the Big Ten sets in. Well, right now they're going into it with uh, Amir Harris sideline for the foreseeable future. But, Robin, as you kind of look ahead, this is kind of the calm before the storm. In January, Nebraska will play eight conference games, including two in a row on the road, three out of four total on the road at Maryland, at Iowa, versus Penn State and Lincoln, and then at Indiana. Um, so then Michigan State comes to Lincoln. It's a very, very daunting schedule as you start to look ahead and really a stretch of Big Ten games that's going to set the tone for what this is going to be. And I, I think the thought now is Nebraska needs to kind of hold serve and yeah. win out at home. And with Michigan State and Wisconsin and Ohio State all coming to Lincoln, it's going to be hard to win all those home games. Yeah, I mean, that's, they've won 18, 19 in a row now. It's the longest since like 1963 something like that. So, I mean, they're on a pretty impressive uh, home streak here, uh, but that's going to get put to the test in a major way. So what's funny about this conference schedule is it's front-loaded and back-loaded. You know, usually in years past, it's either they, they save all the tough games for the end of the year or get, throw them right all out the very beginning. Uh, Nebraska goes on the road for three of their first uh, Big Ten games here in January, and according to Ken Palm, they're expected to lose three out of those four games with the one win coming in their lone home game against Penn State. So that they have them losing uh, at Maryland, at Iowa, and at Indiana. And then at the end of the year, uh, they go to Michigan. They go to Michigan State, and then they host Iowa to close the year on senior day. So those are going to be you know, the, the front end and the back end of that you know, those final 18 games uh, are going to define kind of where Nebraska is. But the good news is uh, Nebraska, during in the middle of that, according to Ken Palm, is projected to win 10 of those other 11 games. So what's their total conference there. win total? Right at? now, it's uh, they're at 22-9 and nine overall and 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten. Which would and be, if they get to 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten, they a five are seed in, maybe. and they're a high NCAA tournament seed. Yeah, they're going, and Des Moines a host site this year. They probably won't go. That's the Kansas region, and so you know they're not going to put Kansas there to have Nebraska. If you're a Husker fans, fan, you almost yeah. don't want to go to Des Moines because if you want to go watch Nebraska play, good luck getting tickets. Yeah, and they don't want Nebraska fans buying up all the Kansas fans' tickets, so they'll probably send them to like Salt Lake City or Hartford or San Jose or Jacksonville. I mean, those, the, I've seen a lot of the bracketology, and those are all sites Nebraska has, can, has been played. Kansas so. fans probably have already bought the tickets oh, I'm sure. for Des, yeah, Des Moines. Yeah, Des Moines doesn't want to mess with that, so they'll, they'll put Nebraska somewhere else. Uh, hopefully it's somewhere that has a direct flight. <laughs> All right. Well, should be interesting. One more of these kind of buy games before the season really starts up. But the Huskers with a pretty good chance to be 11 and two as they head into Big Ten conference play. When we come back, we're going to close the show with some recruiting. Some new offers have been made, some new targets out there as well. Nate Klaus will get us up to speed next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. Now, as we put a wrap with some recruiting thoughts here, as Nate, you know, we're just a week now past the early signing day, and, you know, Nebraska staff on vacation, taking a much-needed break, but still very busy on the offer trail, um, you know, making some new offers out there. What's jumped out to you thus far when you kind of look at what's happened uh, with this staff as far as 2019 action goes? Well, like we thought, they were going to take their time and see you know, what, what the landscape looked like after the dust settled following uh, the early signing day. And, and there have been some new offers that came out from that. Uh, DJ James is a cornerback out of Alabama. 
that has been committed to Mississippi State for a long time, uh, decided not to sign early. Nebraska jumped in, as did a couple others. Oregon is also in the mix, and it looks like he's going to be visiting both Nebraska and Oregon in January. So that tells you that they're still really looking for a corner. Um, obviously, they like DJ James, but they, they, they need another corner in this class. Stephen Parker uh, is an outside linebacker out of, uh, out of the Dallas area, Oak Cliff a high school there uh, who's uh, he kind of fits that mold of he, he plays mostly defensive end in high school but they see him as an outside linebacker uh, at Nebraska and then Mike Lockhart is a, is an interesting name another Alabama kid uh, we're seeing a lot of action in the state of Alabama with this staff and Mike Lockhart is basically on nobody's radar I think he had like East Tennessee and it's in some smaller maybe like a south alabama or something like that and it's just blown up lately um yeah i think you got mississippi state nebraska iowa north carolina colorado um i think maybe even tennessee now i mean there's been a ton of action from basically you know a handful of of power five schools uh really probably four out of the five power five conferences now involved with this kid he's 6'5 250 pounds again plays most mostly defensive end some outside linebacker but um you know those are the positions that they're really really pushing for obviously they're still sitting good and, and like they're like where they're where they're at with a couple other spots like safety and uh, in some areas like that, but uh, really pushing for outside linebacker and corner right now. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show as we talk um, Nebraska in this post-signing day. And, yeah, it just seems, Nate, defense is really where it's all shifting. I mean, there, there could be a receiver, maybe a bet running back situation if Dedrick Mills' thing falls through. Uh, but everything just seems to be tilted more towards two or three more bodies on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, it really is all defense right now. And one name that I forgot to mention is Eugene Asante, uh, who's actually the younger brother of Larry Asante, former Husker, uh, black shirt, and played in the NFL for uh, a handful of different teams for quite a while, actually. So uh, that's another interesting one. He's an inside linebacker. So you know, you think about all the bodies they've lost there at the inside linebacker position due to some transfers, obviously graduation, um, you know, and, and the recent retirement of uh, Jacob Winemaster, I think, has kind of opened up another spot for an inside linebacker in this class. Eugene Asante is going to be visiting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with uh, with uh, a lot of the new offers, uh, it's they're all coming seemingly on the defensive side of the football. Really on offense, especially if, they, if they're able to, to hang on and, and get Diedrich Mills on campus, uh, maybe even Desmond Bland for that matter, but um, yeah, I think offensively they're maybe looking to just add a, a cherry on top with a, a guy like Charles Njoku, who's a four-star wide receiver out of New, New Jersey. Uh, I mean, he really seems to be the lone offensive target that they're really pushing for. Uh, other than that, it's all defense. And I mentioned Larry Asante, uh, DJ James. You know, Noah Pola Gates is probably the number one defender uh, that they're that they're wanting uh, to get. And there's been a lot of conspiracy theories that he signed on signing day but you know is keeping it quiet Nebraska knows but did he sign yeah did he sign I don't I don't really know and, and honestly it doesn't really matter he's I mean, not an early enrollee he's not an early enrollee he's he's going to be playing in the All-American game in San Antonio and then he's going to play in the Maui Pol- in the in the Polynesian Bowl in Maui and that's where he's going to announce his decision. So we'll all know where he's going, uh, you know, on uh, on January 19th. However, there have been some interesting things just recently that came out on social media. Um, you know, there's a, a picture that started to go around where uh, during Noah Polagates' in-home visit with Scott Frost, 
both Javen Wright and Toby Wright were over at his house. And so, I mean, what does it mean? Well, I think it's a good sign for Nebraska. I'm not Nebraska. saying anything, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good sign for Nebraska that Noah Pola Gates is allowing Javen Wright and Toby Wright over to his home uh, to spend the night with uh, with Scott Frost. You know, um, you know, obviously it's always a big deal when the head coach comes to your house, but when you've got a former black shirt legend uh, and his son, who is also from the Phoenix area, who's, gonna, who's already, you know, committed uh, and now signed with the Huskers, I think it's a pretty good sign uh, to have all those guys in, in your living room for the night. My dad was just down in Phoenix, and he said that it was amazing how much coverage Nebraska got down there. He said the cover of the paper was Ty Robinson and mentioned Javen Wright and just all the recruiting attention and, and what Scott Frost has done in that area. And if they get Noah Paula Gates, I mean, that's three of the four, three of the best players in the city. Yeah, really, that, that would be – and potentially Matthew Pola Mayow, who is the cousin of Noah Pola Gates, they could potentially pull four out of, like, the top seven kids in, in the state – and really, we haven't seen that since the 2007 class where they got the the Arizona Five or the whatever. Bill Bush, Bill Bush is. Uh, I mean, all those guys are NFL. Eric Haig, Prince Amukamara, Marcel Jones, yep. Javario Burks was a surefire. Yeah, he was going to be before he got you know before his kidney issues. One guy was the bust, the defensive end, William Yancey, and and he wasn't even supposed. He was supposed to be good. Yeah, and he was a four star. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Bill Bush had one heck of a haul uh, out of out of Arizona that year. Plus uh, Armando Marillo, who was uh, a junior college four star junior college cornerback. So he technically got six guys out of out of Arizona that year. But yeah, we really have not seen this much activity in Arizona, especially in the Phoenix area, for a long, long time. But I mean, I, I think they're I think they're showing that hey, Nebraska can still get a lot of traction in this area, and and I think if if you're able to put together a class with some big time names like a like a Ty Robinson, obviously a Javen Wright is well known, but if you can get a guy like Noah Pola Gates uh, thrown in the mix, and maybe even Matthew uh, Pola Mayo, uh, you know, you're talking all all four star or high three star guys that carry a lot of weight in the area. Um, and they've made a ton of offers for 2020 and even a few offers for 2021, you could see that trend maybe continue going forward. Well, the Pac-12 brand in general around that league, I mean, I, I just think it's in a bad place right now. Financially, their schools aren't making as much money competitively. They're not really top 10 to top 15 type programs at this point. So it is a great opportunity for programs like Nebraska to go into Phoenix and, and kind of capitalize on um, a conference that's struggling. And USC is struggling right now. UCLA is rebuilding. Arizona and Arizona State have new coaches going through rebuilding. Washington, you know, has been a solid 9-3 and three type program, but they haven't really been much better than that. The one playoff year, they were great, obviously. Um, but then, you know, Oregon is the up-and-comer. But really, in general, I, th I think – Nebraska can go in there and, and do this a lot more than you think. Yeah, the, the one thing that really would have helped Nebraska out here is if uh, Herm Edwards would have really fallen flat on his face this year and, and, and struggled. Uh, you know, I think they, they ended up uh, they ended up outperforming what I thought they would do, um, and they're unveiling all these brand-new facilities uh, that are really, really nice. So, And they've kind of got this flashy thing going on where they're, they, you know, they have all these new helmet combinations and, and uniform combos that, that are kind of I – I don't know if they're trying to rival Oregon or what, but um, it's something that the kids kind of think is cool. So, uh, you know, that would have helped Nebraska out here in this area. But, but there's no doubt there's a lot of Nebraska people, you know, Nebraska alumni in the area, and, and that name still carries a lot of weight. All right, well, that puts a wrap here on the Husker Online Show. Nate will be in San Antonio.
here in the coming week as um, Nebraska will have a number of commits and targets down in the Army All-American, not the Army all it's the, no, all- no. the All-American Bowl. As a um, little-known fact, the Army actually paid to be the sponsor. They're no longer the sponsor to the game in San Antonio, uh, but Nate and Greg will be down there uh, bringing the action. Uh, Noah Paul Gates, Bryce Benhart uh, will be down there, Wondell Robinson, a missing one. Ty Robinson. Um, Ty Robinson will be there. Four four guys really of note. And Nick Henrich would have been in the game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he um, is recovering from injury. So should be lots of coverage. Make sure you are on Husker Online as we'll get you up to date on all of it. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 